0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Have your Bibles turned uh, with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 12. We are in the midst now of our premarital teaching. And our overall subject is... Are you prepared for the married state? Now, my section of that overall subject is why and when premarital counseling? Why premarital counseling? When premarital counseling? So we started last week. And what I want to make sure that you understood is that marriage is not to be taken lightly. And that neither is marriage to be entered into lightly. This is, you know, we looked at how... Not all marriages are equal. Marriage might be a good thing, but your marriage, well, we need to make sure that you have things in order, okay? And so, with that in mind, we said, why don't we? Why can't we just go ahead and jump into marriage? Why don't we go ahead and get married? You know, here I am, I'm, I'm unmarried, but I'm interested in marrying this individual, and they're interested in marrying me. And uh, why why don't we just go ahead and jump right into it? Well, we we said four things we wanted you to consider, right? Why? Until I need premarital counseling. Number one is because you need to know how to choose. Number two, because you need to know what you're signing up to. Number three, because God hates divorce. And number four, because you need to be prepared. Now, with all this in mind, remember I said this and I want to make sure you understand this. You can get married and you can be ignorant of how to choose. You can get married and you can be ignorant of what you're signing up to. You can get married and you can have no respect for how God views divorce. You can get married and not be prepared. That's obvious. That takes place. That goes on. But once you agree, you are now responsible before God for his institution and how you behave in that institution. So again, you can do all that. And people do. But I'm telling you, it's in your best interest because marriage is going to come down to a choice. It comes down to a choice. Glory to God. It comes down to a choice. I want you to see the power of choice. I didn't get to get to these scriptures last time, but I I want to start out with them this time. Proverbs chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 12, verse number four says, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. Isn't that a blessing? But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. That's not a blessing. We have part A and we have part B. Part A and part B both have to deal with a wife. Both have to deal with marriage. So we have part A. Someone chose a virtuous woman to wife. That's a good thing. And that versus woman is a crown to that man who made that choice. But on the other side, she that maketh the shame, she's like severe osteoporosis. Now, both are marriage. Both are wives. But one man chose one way. One man chose another. And once you choose... Again, make make sure I have to say this. I have to repeat this in this day and this time. When a man and a woman agree for marriage and you say, I do, then you stand responsible for God and that's yours. So, if it's a choice, who you choose represents the ultimate. Ooh. I don't want to jump ahead because we'll get to it, I believe, probably next session when we talk about God hating divorce. But what you're saying is that I choose you above all others. I choose you above all others yesterday. I choose you above all others today. I choose you above all others, even in the options. I didn't know they were going to be available tomorrow. That's strong. So you make a wrong choice now. That's yours. You make the choice. You eat the fruit of your choice. It can be sweet. Or it can be sour. I like sour stuff. Well, it can be rotten. You know what I'm talking about. But, and I want, you, I want to make sure you understand. This is why it's not to be taken lightly. This is modeled after Christ and His church. Glory to God. You've got to consider this. It's modeled after. It is no comparison to Christ and the church. So in other words... He chose you. Doesn't that do your heart good? He made a choice and said, I'm going to submit my choice and I don't care what comes tomorrow. I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. That's wonderful. But it comes down to a choice. Now, he knows how to choose. We need to learn how to choose. First Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. Don't you see verse number nine? And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. Now that's amazing to me. From this standpoint. What we know about Solomon, we know that God showed up to Solomon and said, what do you want? And Solomon, the man of such wisdom, he got it this way because he didn't ask for anything but wisdom so he could lead the people of God. So he's a man who seems like he has this stuff together. Grew up in the church. Hallelujah. Son of Pastor David. (laughs) Had a personal encounter with God. But he comes to this point of his life, and God is, I'm upset with you, Solomon. But we jump back to verse number one. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart. After their gods. So, so I want to make sure you understand. This all lines up with what we said. God set a pattern in Genesis. God knew that Adam was going to be with Eve. But before Eve could be presented to Adam, Adam had to have some counsel. So he knew the preciousness of Eve. And so what happens is, before you get a chance to choose, counsel is offered. And before Solomon chose to get caught up with these women, God had counseled him. And God said, now you can get married, ignorant. of am knowing how to choose. But once you are, you eat the fruit of it. Verse 2, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel. In fact, he spoke to Solomon personally about this. You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away to other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. All because of the choices in women. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, I'm sorry, the idol of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, Amolech, the idol abomination of the Ammonites, and Solomon did everything evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh the idol of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem and for Molech, the uh, abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrifice unto their gods. He made a bad choice. And it redirects your life. The choice is yours. You need to learn how to choose. What do we say about choosing? Establish a standard and don't move from it. Standards need to start with godly standards. They need to be born again. They they need to be committed to God. They need to be faithful to God. Because those are the people who are going to be able to be faithful to you. And I'm telling you, you are a special people. You know, because when we say stuff like this, somebody in their desperation will say, well, that cuts down my playing field, but you're precious. You're special. You're peculiar. You are called out people, not anybody is going to do. It should start there. And after there, you got your preferences, but you cannot back down on those standards. You cannot back down on those standards. So we said, because of this, you need to get premarital counseling or God's counsel on marriage well before you choose someone you think you want to marry. Because after you've chosen, they've got your heart. That's what happened with Solomon. They had his heart. Could even turn his heart away from God. We need to know how to choose. All right. Now, we said number two. Why do we need premarital counseling? Because we need to know what we're signing up to. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Look at this in verse 35. Now, I'm not going to have to explain this because this is one of those one of those records, and we get insight into this, and when you see it. I don't know how necessarily you read it, but when I read this, sometimes I wonder, you know, is is this serious? Is this real? Is this supposed to be kind of comical? But it's not. You'll see what I mean when we get into this. So Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Now, that's that's point number one. Right. For me, it's like, really? Really? You come up to the Lord and say, I want you to do whatever I want you to do. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm misreading that. So, so for the sake of maybe different time frame, maybe I can just translate it this way. Uh, Jesus, can you do us a favor? Okay, That's a little more palatable for me. So they come up to Jesus, hey, Jesus, can you do us a favor? You know how you are when you're with somebody that you're tight with. And you expect them to just to go right along with it. Jesus is not like that. He didn't say, oh, yeah, sure, whatever you want. What what do you want? You you know I got you like that. You didn't say that. Verse 36. And he said unto them, and I can just see it again. This is my mind working. When I read scriptures, my mind works like this. I can see him looking suspiciously at them and saying, before I answer you, what do you want? He's like, I know you, James and John. Now, Matthew lets us know Mama is with him. Whatever that means. So mama's with them. Maybe mama got them some boldness. I don't know. We're going to ask Jesus for this. And Jesus is like, I'm a little bit smarter than the average bear. I'm not just going to say yes. What do you want? Verse 37. They said unto him, grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. Again, this is just my mind working. Here hear James and John, one on one side, one on the other. And I, I can hear James saying, Jesus, I don't even have to be on the right side. John can even have the right side. I'll be okay with the left side. And I can hear John say, John, 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 James, James, you don't have to do that. James, you can take the right side. I'll be all right with the left side. Jesus, it doesn't even matter. We just want to be one side or the other. you." And understand this. Jesus hadn't made a statement to them previously, to the disciples, that they would sit on twelve thrones. All right, so that's where they're coming from with this. And again, so I can see them kind of going over and and mama's up there uh, championing for them and campaigning for them as well. And and I I can just see Jesus just kind of trying to calm them down. Like, like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. But Jesus said unto them, verse 38, you know not what you ask. See, here, here I go. Now, here's my mind. What I see is an adult and I see children. James and John are acting like children. And they're getting ramped up about what they want. And Jesus is there as the responsible adult and tries to calm them down and says, wait a minute. I know what you think you want, but you don't know what you're asking. But Jesus said to them, you know not what you ask. And again, I, see, I just see him as a father would look on his children. When they ask for something that they just don't understand, you, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And as children do, they speak with no knowledge. And they and say, we can Here's my mind. again. I just see James and John? They just look at each other. Yeah, we can. We can. I'm convinced in this. They had no idea what he was talking about. They had no earthly idea what he was talking about. I come up with this, and I believe it's scriptural from this standpoint, in that in Luke it lets us know that when he talked, actually right before this, he tells them that he, going up to Jerusalem, was going to be handed over to the Gentiles He was going to be spitefully entreated. He was going to be whipped and scourged. He was going to be delivered to death. And he was going to rise again. And Luke says, they didn't know what he was talking about. They didn't comprehend this. So they they couldn't understand these things. But here they are. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink of the cup that I'm going to drink from? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they, "Yeah, yeah, 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 we can. We can. We can handle it. I love this answer from Jesus. And they said unto him, we can. And Jesus said unto them, you shall. Indeed, drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized with, all shall you be baptized. I love this. Understand this. When when he talks about (laughs) the cup and his baptism, we're not going to talk in particular about those because, you know, this is all for a purpose. But suffice it to say, It is addressing the sufferings and the death for the gospel's sake. See, they say, I want the right hand, I want the left hand. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you do what it takes? They say, we can't. They don't even know what it takes. They didn't know that there was a cup. But he said, can you drink the cup? Yeah, we can drink it. Now, they had no idea what he was talking about. And if you look in the scriptures, you'll find James is the first recorded martyr in the Christian church. He died for the gospel's sake. John, as it goes, the record has it that he was subjected to boiling oil and survived. And we know from the scriptures he was exiled to the island of Patmos. He suffered for the gospel's sake. So here we are. Jesus, is like, he's trying to calm him down. You, you don't know what you're asking. Think before you ask. Let me, let me give you some counsel. Can you drink from this cup? Yeah, yeah, we can. He says, You shall. And get this in verse 40. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand, I can't promise that to you. Ooh, does that get you? It's not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. In other words, you come asking for one thing, not knowing what you're asking, and you're going to get something else, not necessarily what you're asking for. Think on that. We're talking about premarital counseling. We have people, here's what goes on in my mind. <laughs> and when I thought about it, for some reason, the soap opera came up. Well, I know why the soap opera came up. I don't watch soap operas. But there are two words that came on my mind when I came across these scriptures the young and the restless. The young and the restless. Because this is what the young and the restless do. In their anxiety for what they think they want, they're willing to say, I do to anything. But again, Jesus is trying to be an adult with them. Trying to calm them down. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand what you're asking for. They didn't give him a chance to explain what was in the cup. Before they said, I do. And here's the thing. Wow. How do I say this? I know what goes on in people's minds because I'm a person (laughs) can I say it that way we're all human and we are visual people and in our visualization what we do is we see others and in our unmarried state we see people in their married state and we see what we see and we want what we see but you say I want what they have You don't know what they have. You know what you see. And you, being young and restless, saying, I want that. And Jesus saying, you don't know what you're asking for. Can you drink from the cup? And you say, I do! Before finding out what's in the cup. See, I need premarital counseling. And what you get is not what you saw. They were convinced... We can have whatever you throw at us, Jesus. We can make it. We can take it. We can handle it. And I'm telling you, I, I believe that these things came back to their mind before they suffered, before they died, and they said, "You know what? People need to get some counseling before they sign up for the things that they sign up for." One of the things that you have to respect is that as visual people, you know, we love beautiful things. One of the things I remember seeing something on somebody's screensaver. It was such a beautiful, beautiful building. Beautiful building. Nice scenery. And it gets you to thinking, you know what, it sure does look good, but did you know what it took to put that structure up and together? Do you understand the sweat equity that goes behind what you see is so beautiful? Even in... Building just a house. You know, you walk in houses. Some of you like to go and look in houses that, you know, you dream that you might be able to one day go in and you're just amazed by how it's laid out and how nice everything is and how the carpet, how the flooring and how the walls and how the arches, how open it is. But have you ever seen one of those buildings built? And don't you know, they work hard on all the things that you don't see before you get to the place where you say, that's so beautiful. Even in bricklaying. Have you seen people lay bricks before? When they lay bricks, they make it look so easy. Oh, they make it look so easy. Have you tried to lay bricks before? They make it look so easy. Oh, I can do that. I'll do a little home project and I'll get that going. Oh, my goodness. It made me think of, what was that Sidney Poirier movie? Lilies Lilies in the Field when he's building that 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 place for the nuns, and he thinks he can do it all by himself, and they just sit up there, they they bring himself, and they just look at him. He starts to be entertained, because you're going to wear out. You don't understand the work and the effort it takes to get to where you want to go to. You just think you can have it, because you say, I do. It doesn't work that way. At the end of it now, if you put in the right work, at the end of some blood, some sweat, some tears, some nicks, some bruises, <laughs> some injuries. Then you get that beautiful structure. But not without effort. Don't let your anxiety make you sign up before you're ready. So here they are. We can do it. We can handle it. Look, even if you know how to choose properly, you need to know what you're getting into. Too many times we get people moved by visuals. You know, it's Veterans Day and you see the veterans getting discounts and free stuff. You're like, I want to be a veteran. Do you really? Do you really? You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're signing up. I understand how it goes. Nothing against the military, but it takes effort, doesn't it? It takes some blood, some sweat, some tears. Tears. (laughs) It it takes you questioning yourself sometimes after you made that commitment. But you know how you know how the military is. I'm your daddy now. Because once I got you, you you're not going nowhere. And if you do try to go, I got something for you. This is how we are. We're moved by visuals, but there needs to be an adult in the building. Listen to your elders. Listen to those who, what am I I trying to make sure you understand? Those that are younger, those that are older, have made your mistakes, and they love you. If they didn't, they say, go right ahead. You'll be entertainment for me. But they're trying to prevent you from making the same mistakes that they made. Take their counsel. You just don't want me. Look at what you had. You don't know what went on to get into where I am. I'm trying to give you counsel. With this in mind, when do I need to get premarital counseling? Before I set my mind to be married. Make sure you understand what I say when I say that. I'm not saying you necessarily have somebody who wants to marry you. Some people have this mindset, one day I'm going to be married, one day I'm going to be married. And you need counsel before you even set your mind to say, one day I'm going to be married. And for those of you in your mind saying, you know, I don't necessarily need to be married. You need premarital counseling. Well, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You really don't. You're like, ah, nobody's gonna turn my head. You just don't know what's coming down the pipe. You don't have the slightest idea. You may swear up and down, I'll never get married. Then that right one comes. Has the right words. You'll be the one said it was like love at first sight. You're the one saying, I never will be. You don't know what tomorrow brings. So you need to soak up all the counsel you can right now so you can understand what is involved in the cup of marriage. Now, here's the question. What's in the cup? (laughs) What is in the cup? Now, I didn't put anything up there. Because quite frankly, we can go all kinds of places. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. God is good. <laughs> Marriage is good. But remember, Paul has some counsel for us as well. Paul has some counsel for us. He said, Now, I would that you were all as I am. But that's all right. If you want to get married, get married. But you're going to care for some things. You have some cares. To carry that the unmarried don't have to carry. It just comes with it. Now, understand, now, again, we can't talk about the cup in particular. The Bible uses the cup, but there are things in the cup of marriage that you need to be aware of. Not in marriage. Let me just go. All right. What's in the cup of marriage? Enjoyment is in the cup of marriage. Somebody said, now you're preaching. Now you're talking. Now you got my attention. Enjoyment is in the cup of marriage. Of marriage. But I want you to understand, marriage is a mixture. Now, did you hear me? It's not all enjoyment. Companionship is in the cup. Again, somebody said, now you're preaching. That's what I'm talking about. I love this companion. I love to have this person's companionship. Companionship is in the cup. Uh, that, that's what we see. That's what we think we want to have. We want to have that campaign. It's in the cup. I might as well say it right. Legal sex is in the cup. I know, I know you get holy on me when I say certain words and certain terms. But legal sex is in the cup. And I say legal because anything outside of the cup of marriage that's called sex is illegal. Listen to me. If there's no ring, if there is no legal covenant, if you're not recognized before God and before the state, whatever you're doing is illegal. I do not care if they say we will. They haven't said I do. They said we will. It's illegal. And what knowest thou? That joker might be a liar. And he just sees you as an easy mark. So all I have to do is give you a promise note and I can get what I want now and never have to deliver on the promise. Let me tell you. Learn how to choose. Make a good choice. It'll be worth the wait. It'll be worth the wait. Let me tell you, when you make the ultimate choice of someone saying that I am refusing all others except for you, you want to bring them all of you. You want to give them the benefit of all of you. You do not want to bring the weight of bad sex. No, the sex was was bad. When you are engaged in sex with someone who will not marry you, who you're not married to, and let me say this as well. After, Let's say they actually do get married to you. That doesn't make that what you did before legal. Oh, I'm saying it. Yeah, I'm saying it. And, and I want you to be convicted. Oh, I want it to burn in you. What am I doing? What am I doing to myself? What am I doing to my future? What am I doing to my potential mate? By engaging in these things out of season. See, you were preaching that... Enjoyment. No, no, but, but there's legal sex. Legal, enjoyable sex. Free. What did, what did the Bible say? The marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled. But, whoremongers and adulterers. Don't you like how he said He, he doesn't even try to be politically correct. You whoremonger. You adulterer. Amen. So, so so, you hear these things in the spirit. But I've already done it. Stop it. Do it no more. This is what I believe. And I'm, I'd be surprised if you didn't believe it. If you belong to him. He supplies grace. For that thing that you think you're addicted to. I believe him. I do believe him. I believe when I set my mind to please him, he will supply for my need. Because when a man's ways please the Lord, that's when that man gets the desires of his heart. God, I want to be free of this. Delight yourself in him and see what happens. But we're talking about what's in the cup. Get back to what's in the cup. There's enjoyment there. There's companionship there. There's legal sex in there, but there's more in this mixture. Here's what you're going to find in the cup of marriage. You're going to find the need for patience. <laughs> oh, hallelujah! That's a prerequisite, by the way. You're going to have to be patient because your patience will be tested in marriage. I would be patient again. No, no, you're going to be tested by your companion. They're going to test your patience and you're going to test theirs. You're going to find the need for long-suffering. You're going to find the need for self-control. You're going to find the need for endurance. Did y'all hear that? You're going to find out that the fruit of the Spirit is necessary. (laughs) You're like, I thought I was going to need it outside of my four walls. No, you're going to need it within your four walls. (laughs) You're going to need it with the person you said, I'll always love you. You can't make me mad at you. I can't stay mad at you. (laughs) You're going to find in the cup of marriage, it ain't like that. (laughs) It ain't like that at all. And you're going to find out they're going to, they're going to act more like the military. You minds now. <laughs> Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? See, and then I need patience. <laughs> if you haven't prayed before, you will be praying. It's in the cup. I mean, this is real. This is real, people. I know what you see. But you don't know what goes on after you don't see that couple. When they get in the car, you know, they turn the volume up so they can talk like they want to talk. Whoo, if you hug another person and not treat me right. Let the married people say amen. Now, say it loud in that. Say amen. And I know how it is with, when you are so taken with somebody that you think, you know what? We don't need money. You hear all the buried people laughing right there. <laughs> yeah, I know you think we can. We'll be all right in the struggles. You know, after a few bologna sandwiches, you might be all right. But string them out <laughs> to the tune of a few months, <laughs> and then you're like, you know what? I know what we said, but (laughs) if I see another bologna sandwich, (laughs) there will be financial stresses. You know why? I don't care what kind of job you have. I don't care what kind of job they have. Riches are uncertain. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And you'll find stresses when the money gets funny. But you're in it forever. And so that's why you need patience. That's why you need long suffering. That's why you need endurance. That's why you need the fruit of the Spirit. And how do I say this? Here's one of the things that you really do need to check before you get married outstanding financial commitments. You really do need to check that. Because you will... Y'all don't know about the honeymooners. But he said, to the moon, Alice. To the moon. You got bills to pay that you didn't know that you were signing up to pay. You're going to be thinking, to the moon. I need to take you to the moon with one touch of the hands. But that's there. Now, even if that's not, you're going to run across bills to pay. You know, you can't just look in each other's eyes all day long. You can't just take picnics, long walks in the park. Somebody has to get to work, and you actually have to pay some bills. And listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. I know these people in this ministry, you're not going to be able to stay at their house for long. Oh, we're going to save some money either. You're going to do some what? Yeah, you, you get a chance to save some money, but you won't be able to stay here forever. We're going to put a date on it. Because I thought I got rid of you. <laughs> and, uh, hey, I'm sorry, but adults have issues living in the house together. Especially if you spend your money on that special thing. You know, you've been working hard. And you, you just have this little, I, I, just, I just love my bluebell. You get home and some other adult ate your bluebell. Yeah. You're going to have to pay some bills. People aren't going to cover you. Listen, in the cup of marriage, there are good days. There are good days. Thank God for the good days. But it's a mixture. There will be bad days. There will be bad days. And and I know how some people are, but you got to, come on, you got to grow up. He's making a bad confession. You will have bad days. Okay? And and here's the thing about bad days Now, there's one thing when you had bad days by yourself, but now you might have a good day, but your companion has a bad day and we got to share it. You know, your good day comes down a level because of their bad day. It's in the cup. You're thinking, well, I don't know what their issue is. Well, hey, that's your companion. That's your covenant spouse. Their issues are now your issues. Their concerns are now your concerns. Listen, in the cup of marriage, there are mood swings. And you know you. You know your mood swings. You know your mood swings. I'm talking to those who are not married. You know your mood swings. And just like your mood swings, your potential spouse, their mood swings as well. (laughs) And again, you manage your own mood swings, but now get ready to manage some others. And hey, and this is not a male thing. It's not a female thing. It's an everybody thing. You're hot today, cold tomorrow. All it takes is one thing. And, and, and this is in the cup. So you got, you got to learn. you got to learn the signs when the, the mood is swinging. <laughs> and what way the mood is swinging. And learn to live with it. Listen to this. You got to learn to love it. You got to learn to love it. That's what you said when you say, I do. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love your mood swings. I'm going to be there with you through the mood swings. It's going to be a little game. <laughs> Simon says, leave them alone. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave you alone. When is Simon going to say, I can. <laughs> I can get with you again. That's all right. I can wait it out because I got patience. And I learned before that in the cup of marriage, there's a need of patience. In the cup of marriage, there will be agreements. And I know how you envision it. You're going to finish my sentences. I'm going to finish yours. And there'll be times, yeah, there'll be times it will seem as though you're just on the same wavelength. And, and, and there'll be times it'll seem like you can finish one another. I know what they're going to say. And there'll be other times when you would be like, I know you didn't say that. I know I am not married to an individual who would think that way. This is the way it is. You cannot go in there thinking that every day is just going to be, we're going to finish these other sentences. We're going to have nothing but good days. You know, when you're down, I'm just going to say the right word. Because I'm, I'm t- you're going to find in those mood swings, there are times you can't do anything. But stay away. And let them do what they need to do. It just goes with it. And again, you you might think that, oh, I'll never disagree with you. You know, it's just so easy to... You know, here it is. When we are courting, we are agreeable. We will make sacrifices because we know there's an end game. But once we got the game, once we got the end, now, I know what we did before, but, you know, uh-uh, I don't like that. I never did like it. <laughs> I ain't going for it now. I put up with it then. I ain't putting up with it now. Oh, it comes off. You, you know, when you're courting, they get time to put on their makeup, time to gussy up their hair, time to smell good. But once the end game comes, this is me, baby. This is all of me. That's what you signed up for. I ain't doing my hair before you wake up every morning. It's in the cup. It really, I want to tell you, you might as well, you might as well love it. Might as well enjoy it. Because it's yours for a lifetime. <laughs> Amen. There will be disappointments. This is just life. Okay, there, there are going to be disappointments. There are going to be disappointments for you. There's going to be disappointments for your spouse. And again, you're going to to have to be able to minister to one another through those things. This is one of the most critical things you really have to consider. In the time of their trouble, will I still love them? In the time of their discontentment, in the time of their worst days, will I still be able to love them? This This is what amazes me. Again, it cannot be compared to the love that Christ has for His church. We've had many a bad day. We've had many a mood swing. We brought him to. We brought him many disappointments. But he said, "I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine." He says, "I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you." See, that's why we're instructed to love as Christ loved the church. That's a high bar but you're making the ultimate decision. You're saying, when I choose this individual, you're worth it. You're worth it. I don't care what disappointments come. I don't care what disagreements come. I don't care how many bad days we have. I don't care the financial stresses. You are it. And you're worth it. Here's What's in the cup of marriage? The unknown. For all the counsel you can gather. All the counsel you can get. There are things that you... It never happened in your family before, but it's going to happen to you. And you'll be out there. You will go where you think... Where you thought you would never have to go. In those times, you're going to have to hold together. You're going to have to trust God. And you have to make it through. That's in the cup. The unknown. As much as people try to say, "Here's, here's what's going to happen," "Here's what's going to happen," trust me, there's going to be something that no one ever told you about that you're going to have to deal with. In the cup of marriage, the reasons you married them is there. That's isn't that so good? That's why I married them. Many married people can say that. You know, you see your spouse do those things and it brings you back. Like That's why I married them. That's the kind of people they are. That's why I married them. I love that about them. But also it's a mixture. And there are going to be the little hidden things that you didn't know were going to be there. I didn't know it. I didn't know you were like that. I didn't know that you had that kind of habit. I didn't. It's there. But again, you said, I don't care. When you say I do, you say I don't care. Because my love for you is so strong. This is why, uh, again, I think I'm trying to, a, a little, getting a little ahead of myself. But this is why Ecclesiastes lets us know, love is as strong as death. I'm a song, song of Solomon. Love is as strong as death. I don't care. I love you too much to let those things interfere with my commitment to you. But it's not all the reason why you married them. There will be things there, and you'll be like, you know, Ah, uh, okay. Change is inevitable. So know that. In the cup of marriage, there's change. Change in them is going to happen. Change in you is going to happen. There will be things that you wanted to never change about them that will. Just know. Know. There are things that you wish you could change about them that will not change. Are you hearing me? You're signing up for all of that. (laughs) This is why you get counsel beforehand. Don't be like James and John. You know what James and John saw? They saw him and he made it look so easy. Jesus made it look so easy. Jesus made his authority look so easy. Jesus made his wisdom look so easy. And they're like, we want what we see. And Jesus like, this comes at a cost. And he told them, now you can have it, (laughs) what it comes with, but I can't promise you what you're after. In marriage, you can have what you're after. You just need the counsel beforehand to know what you're signing up to. And I'm out of time.